With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. You're listening to a Score North podcast right now. And if you're a business owner, so are your customers. In fact, I could be talking about your business right now, telling the tens of thousands of loyal fans about you and sending them to your business. Find out how you can partner with your favorite Score North podcast. Visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Fill out the form and we'll get in touch with you quickly. Once Phil, Judd, Declan, or others start talking about your company, you'll be amazed at how many fans start showing up. So visit scorenorth.com now and enter keyword partner. Get in the know. Non-stop Vikings talk. It's Purple Daily on Score North and scorenorth.com. Purple Daily, presented by Surly Brewing Company. Yes, welcome in to your dose of daily Vikings entertainment. This is Purple After Dark, part of Purple Daily. Phil Mackey, Judd Zolgad, our executive producer, Declan Goff, and our friend, Realistic Randy. You can find him on his own YouTube channel, also pumping out content. And Purple Daily, presented in part by Surly Brewing and also our friends at TCL, one of the world's best-selling consumer electronics brands. They have a new lineup of award-winning TVs delivering the most entertainment with stunning resolution, all at an affordable cost. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. So, uh, a loyal listener sent us a picture of his new TCL yeah. TV today. Oh, right on. So, uh, go grab yourself a TCL TV. Go pound a Surly Furious. And if I you're like me... Boys. I am wearing only Chill Boys beneath the fold here, mm. and uh, I will try not to stand up. It's nobody needs to see that. No. No, very comfortable. glad to hear you're comfortable. Very mm. comfortable. Uh, now that everyone is wildly uncomfortable, yeah. Can we move realistic on? Randy. Where's HR? The Vikings <laughs> fired everybody on Monday, and uh, we embark on a new era of Vikings football. The floor is yours. What's on your mind tonight? Well, I've been team fire everybody for a while now. And it's about damn time, as far as I'm concerned. Three years late, but better late than never. And while it certainly seemed like some change was going to happen, I'm of the mindset that with the way this franchise has been operating the last eight years, seemingly being okay with just being okay, I said, you know what, I'll believe the change when I see it. And then even with the reports this past weekend that, okay, Zimmer's going to be gone, but Spielman is expected to stay with the team. I was saying to myself, oh, come on, man. And we've talked about this all season long, how it feels like the Wolf brothers, they need their hands held by Rick Spielman. And I just said, all right, well, I guess as long as Zimmer's gone, but then what does that mean as far as Spielman? He's going to pick the next head coach who's going to be nothing more than a yes man. And that was it. I just expected Zimmer to be gone. And I went to sleep on Sunday night. The wife leaves out for work at about four in the morning. She called me. I want to say it was about five Pacific time, whatever it was. And I panicked. I said, are you stuck on the road? What's happening? And she said, (laughs) dude, it happened. Zimmer and Spielman are gone. I said, what? Zimmer and Spielman are gone. She said, yeah, they're gone. (laughs) And so once I recorded my takes and and everything like that, I finally got a chance to soak it in. Yeah, that stupid left. Let's swing some tackles into guards and centers. My God, I'm so glad it's finally over, dude. Like, it's over. It's over. It's over. It's over. It's okay. It's over. It's okay. But I'm excited for the future of this franchise. I I really am because this team, they can still compete in 2022. They still have some very good pieces on this roster. I'm just excited to see them elevate themselves to what they truly are capable of instead of just talking about it and falling below the wayside. Do you like? Yes. Very nice. Yes. <laughs> Opening monologue. Very nice. very nice. Do you like what you are seeing so far in the fact that the Wilfs and a few other people internally are going to pick the GM first, who I'm guessing is going to pick the coach, do because 
there's a little bit, I, I don't want to overstate this. There's a little bit of panic here about the fact that, oh man, they're not going and getting people right now. And there's lists and the Vikings aren't on those lists. Do you like what the moves have been subsequently to firing your two favorite people in the whole wide world? Oh yeah, 100%. And I like the fact that, I like the fact that they're patient as far as they are going to get the GM. They're not going to rush to get the head coach and then pick the GM after that because it just wouldn't make sense. Get your GM and let him select his head coach. It makes sense. What I will say, though, is Doug Peterson is out there interviewing. I mean, there are candidates already out there interviewing that speculated they're going to be interviewing with multiple teams. So, yes, be patient, but at the same time, have a little bit of fire in the belly. You got to make some moves because I've seen the and I know this is just betting odds in Vegas and and they're just putting what they think the odds are for the next head coach for the Vikings are going to be. Be patient, but if it comes down to where the top candidate for you left is Andre Patterson, no disrespect, you might as well should have kept Mike Zimmer. We need fresh eyes to look at this team at GM and head coach. I don't want an extension of the previous regime that we had. Yeah. I mean, to the, like, I I think on the GM front, there's so many interesting candidates and there's so few jobs that I'm not worried about, you know, the Vikings missing out on somebody, but from a coaching perspective, it is interesting. I mean, there's what, six openings right now. And, and, and we can sit here and, and, you know, Judd floated earlier today that, Hey, you know, Doug Peterson, he's a, He's cool waiting around, but you know, if three days turns into five, turns into yeah. seven, and 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 a team puts an offer in front of him, you know, it it is easy to see how you could wind up with your third or fourth choice because of the way this played out. And that's the thing; it's like, and we we went over some of this on our uh, speculative Lane Kiffin episode of Mackie and Judd earlier today. If you missed that, it involved uh, tracking the Wilfs' private jet and some <laughs> other forms of reckless speculation. So check that out. But. We talked about the timing of this and that if you knew you were going to fire Rick Spielman from the get-go at some point a few weeks ago, getting out in front of it would have made more sense. But it sounds like, and, and Judge reporting on this too, they were keeping Rick Spielman up until sometime in the last week. And then something happened between like Wednesday, Thursday, over the weekend, and Monday. They either had a conversation, back channel, due diligence with a candidate or... Somebody who they might be interested in as a coach said, yeah, I'm in, but I'm not going to work with Spiel. Like Something happened over the weekend. They had a change of heart, and they decided not to offer him the promotion or the, you know, whatever you want to call it, the, you know, the shifting in roles. So um, because of that, they are kind of starting at zero. I do think they had a list, and I do think they did do diligence. I don't think they're starting from exactly zero on Monday with the GM position, but like they haven't officially interviewed anybody as of right now, as we record this on Tuesday night, and they certainly haven't hired anybody. And by the time they do, we're probably another couple of days at least into the process. So, you know, I'm not super concerned yet, but if three guys come off the board before the Vikings have hired a GM from a coaching perspective, um, then I'm not necessarily in love with their process. Mike Borgonzi, Lewis Riddick, those are my top candidates to serve as the next GM of the Minnesota Vikings. Brian Dable, Eric Bietemi, Doug Peterson, my top candidates to serve as the next head coach of the Vikings. I'm glad that the regime is gone. If it really came down to the wire to where all of a sudden at the last second, the Wolf brothers decided, okay, Rick, we're going to move on from you completely. I'm glad. I kind of feel the opposite of you, though, Phil, because if that is the case, it does give me the sense that they are starting from scratch just later compared to the other teams. So if it comes down to where, okay, if a cup, if a candidate or two flies off the board, okay, starting to get a little bit dicey here, but then you don't want to wait too long here. Firing the previous regime was super necessary. You had to do it. I know we talk about Kirk Cousins and what are you going to do with the quarterback? I've always had the standpoint of it doesn't matter what we do at quarterback until those two individuals are gone. That was a big deal. What they did, hey, kudos to the Wolf Brothers. But that's just half the battle. You still need to replace those guys with quality individuals. Don't sell yourselves short because the Minnesota Vikings is the most attractive destination out there for both GM and head coach 
you should be, I mean, just flooded with voicemails, just having your pick of the litter. Don't wait too long because this team is capable of something special. Jet, real quick, Judd, do you think do you think that's the? I know that we've we've all kind of floated like, oh, this is a really attractive job for GMs and coaches, but there is another side to this. If you don't love Kirk Cousins, and uh, if you look at the Vikings roster and say, boy, there's some there's some key players over the age of thirty here that make a lot of money, and they have the fourth worst cap situation in the NFL. They're paying a running back a lot of money. They're paying a safety a lot of money. The way their money is allocated. Doesn't make sense. Their offensive line is kind of a bunch of misfits. You know, you, you you probably need at least two more offensive linemen. Like there's, you could almost flip it around and say, ooh, that cap situation and Kirk Cousins, that's a lot to dig out from underneath. I feel like your short term issues slash problems are there, but the job itself is a great job, and and you're not going to. It's not realistic to take the job and the expectation is 2022 is going to be great. You could make the playoffs, but as far as the ability to build something here, I think it's fantastic. And, and Kirk can be gone. I I mean, he he could be gone before the coming season starts. He certainly will almost certainly be gone after that. Uh, The cap can be retooled. Players can be let go. Like, I think we think of this as yeah. like, well, well, you're stuck with Harrison Smith and Thielen, and I really like those guys. They can't let them go. Well, that's not true. Like, like you can you can come in here, and from the standpoint of the people here, you can detonate this thing. The Bears, and this is my thing, the Bears are still owned by the McCaskies. Like, the Bears are, are owned by, by people who have retained, if I'm not mistaken, 79-year-old Bill Polian, to help run their search. Is that true? They, is that what's think happening? Think about that for a second. They've retained oh, it, it. In fact, Just, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure that, that they are going to end up hiring um, a GM from the Colts because Bill Polian knows them. Just so, dusting off Bill Polian. Huh? I think this is a great, yeah, I think this is a great job because of the people that own this team who will spend the freedom that you potentially could have, your stadium, your practice facility i think it's a great job i also will caution this um i I don't often defend the people that own teams but i will in this sense i think if i think as an owner conducting a search for a gm and coach guys you're damned if you do and damned if you don't because if you go out there and hire like the second guy we really like him Fans are going to say, well, hold on a second there. I mean, don't you want to talk to more more guys? Um, if you wait, like it, it appears that the Vikings, at least right now, are doing a little bit, then it's like, you're going to lose people. What's going on here? So I, I don't, it's very hard for me to have an immediate opinion about being patient when I think what we need uh, to do is literally allow this to play out um, and so, cause you know, go back on Childress, right? The Childress thing. We're not going to let him leave. We love him. He's the hot property. We got to have him. Well, guess what? <laughs> a year in, we all said, why didn't you talk to more guys? Why didn't you talk to more candidates? So that's a really tough one to, I, I think it's really, really simple to have hot takes there. But I also think that there's an explanation both ways that it can be a good idea if you absolutely love the guy, but it also can be a good idea to actually probably vet the system. Sorry, I'm just reading that comment underneath bad jokes, Brian. That is hilarious. Randy is GM just to rehire <laughs> and fire Zimmer himself. That's amazing. Uh, I, I like Mike. You- <laughs> you're back. You like a job you're starting fired. now? You're, yeah, fired. you're fired. He's still got a contract. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Just bring him back. Yeah. Yeah. I'll pack his stuff up myself. So I I like what you said, Judd, because you're right. The owners, they're going to get crucified, I feel like, no matter what happens with this GM selection, unless it's the most popular choice out there. But what I like about this situation for the next GM is that Before with Rick Spielman, this was the problem. Guys like Matt Khalil, Blair Walsh, Anthony Barr, guys that clearly you're better off just letting these guys go. But there's this attachment factor. There's this, I need to be right with 
these players that I selected in the draft. When Anthony Barr verbally agreed to go to the New York Jets, I said to myself, thank God. Okay, great. Let's move on. And then when he reneged on that and said, I want back, it's almost like Spielman said, oh, thank God. Yes, please come back. We'll sign you to whatever you want. We don't have that anymore. Okay, this next GM, coming. there are no attachments. Look at the players, the value that they offer on the football field, and determine if they deserve to remain on this roster. And if they do, maybe at a restructured contract. I think it's a very attractive job for both positions. And with players like Justin Jefferson, Brian O'Neill, Kirk Cousins, I really don't care what happens with him. I can, I'm either with him or without him. I don't care. I feel like this is just me outside looking in. I almost feel like with the whole Kirk Cousins thing with you either got the Kirk stands or the Kirk haters. It's like blood in, blood out. You either, you either with Kirk Cousins all the way or you against them all together. I really don't care. I can see the value in him remaining with the team or him being traded. But I don't care what the Wolves think, the fan base thinks of what it is that they are going to decide on. Make a move. And you need to do it. Be patient. But at the same time, put a step on it. What happens when the Kirk stands meet in a dark alley with the anti with the Kirk haters? Is it like is it like Jets and Sharks? Instead of people pulling knives and guns, you're they're, a Kirk, they're, you're a Kirk. they're pulling out their way. gas station discount cards or something. Like. It's the wire sequel. <laughs> That's what it is. Yeah. Make Pizza whole ranch. Out of it. Yeah, they're pulling Spire. out their pe- yeah, they're pulling out their yeah, pizza ranch uh, coupons. Pizza ranch. <laughs> Take that. Oh man. Yeah, I mean, um I don't know. I think I think I think the one thing I would wonder about with the Wilfs is they said all Mark said all the right things at that press conference yesterday. In fact, he echoed the mission statement on Purple Daily, which is we want the Vikings to win a Super Bowl before we die. That and that's nice. what he said. Yeah. He said championships, he said Super Bowl. You know, they're moving on from an above 500 head coach and a pretty good GM in terms of roster building. You know, there's, there's certainly worse GMs in the NFL, and they're saying, not good enough. We want championships. But then in his press conference, he snuck in, you know, but we still feel like it's not a rebuild. We can compete at a high level and compete. I think he even said compete for a Super Bowl in 2022. And they need to be careful about getting too obsessed with that. Yeah, you know, I, th- I think whoever comes in to run this team, GM and coach, needs to say, Okay, it's not realistic to win a Super Bowl in 2022. And so it doesn't mean that we have to be a four win dumpster fire, but let's make personnel moves. Let's make trades if needed to set us up for 2023, 2024, 2025. Let's, you know, the Wills step one was acknowledge that good isn't good enough. Get rid of Mike Zimmer, get rid of Rick Spielman, but don't fall into the trap of having to be relevant every single year and compete. If you need to take a step back to fix your cap situation, find a young quarterback, whatever that is, for 2023, you should do that. You shouldn't be hell-bent on trying to milk nine wins out of 2022 with a bunch of bad contracts. Well, if they're acknowledging that we have a responsibility to elevate this team, this team is capable of so much more than what we've seen, I mean, that's huge for me. They're acknowledging, okay, we can't be okay with just being okay. We've been a mediocre team even though we've hyped ourselves up as far as being a championship contender. So that to me says that they're going to be aggressive here. They are going to do what they feel is going to give this team the best chance to win. I do think they can compete next year. I don't think for a championship, but my God, I think they can get to the playoffs at least. Now, if they're going too far with this saying championship and this is going to be great. Okay, fine. I, I would rather them be super gung ho thinking they can get a championship next season then okay just don't be the detroit lions there does need to be a future plan for 23 and 24 but i'm just so excited man i I can't tell you enough i'm tentatively excited because like i said if you end up with an andre patterson or i'm a lane kiffin it it just doesn't do it for me (laughs) there are some real candidates out there that can take this team to the next level and don't sell yourselves short with scrap heat I feel like um, as well, and and this is where we've not discussed this much, but this is going to turn a corner, or it feels like it should, guys, is this one. This, you know, Zimmer was brought in in 2014 by Rick 
for a franchise that definitely had moved forward in some ways, but it was still the Metrodome Vikings, Winter Park. Um, It was, you know, Ma and Pa shop in some ways. And and it's almost like the Wilfs, rightfully so, if they are saying this internally, have said, hold on a second here. You know, we've done a nice job and we had good people in charge uh, for a while, but the reality is now we're in this gorgeous stadium. We we have a a huge plot of land that that we have our practice facility on. That we are like we are now the for better or worse the corporate Vikings. Like we are big time now, and, and like this next step should be people who are incredibly competent, who are incredibly good. Like there is no. Yes. It, if you look at the infrastructure now, and I'm going to say this, I, I mean, the dome was crap. I know the people loved it, but it was crap. Winter Park was a complete joke. Um, the infrastructure now of just of just the brick and mortar around this team that, that you have is first class. I mean, this should become a consistently competitive team for championships, not for, boy, we made the playoffs. Yeah. That's great. This yeah. This should be a job that people are rushing to get. It 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 does feel though like and and sometimes I wonder, you know, does the is is there a self fulfilling prophecy in Minnesota? It's been thirty years since thirty one years since we've had a men's team win a championship or right? the Twins nineteen ninety one. That there's this woe is us. We almost now there's a whole like generation or two generations of fans, if not more, that almost take pride and how beaten down we are as sports fans, that it's it's kind of like Cubs fans, right? It's 100 years. You know, what do they have to complain about? They won a World Series five years ago, and I feel like it's been part of our identity, and I just wonder how much of it is a self-fulfilling prophecy. We have this low sports self-esteem. Do the Vikings, from, from ownership to front office to fans even, do they and we think that we all deserve Super Bowls? Or is it so far-fetched that we settle for Clint Kubiak, an offensive coordinator, and Mike Zimmer is, you know, sort of a a coordinator that's being jammed into a head coaching role. Like Brad Childress in over his head, right? Leslie Frazier was a settle. Um, I just, I it, Kirk Cousins is to me is a fake franchise quarterback that we try to prop up. But like, look at his numbers. It's like the evidence is right there, guys. It's been ten years. He's not a leader. He doesn't rise up in key moments against great teams, right? Like, enough of this low self esteem. To Judd's point, state-of-the-art facility, best franchise to not win a Super Bowl in NFL history, right? You're a winning franchise. Have some high standards. Go after great coaches, great GMs. Don't settle for Kirk Cousins at quarterback, right? Aspire to do better in some of these spots. I wouldn't normally agree with you, Phil, that maybe there is some self-fulfilling prophecy with this organization and the fan base saying, Hey, you know, we pride ourselves in being the underdogs and just scrapping it out to make the playoffs every other year. Normally I would agree with you, but this past year was something different, man. I get the sense that the fan base alone has had enough to where even those Mike Zimmer stands that are typically with him all the way, they were fed up with him. This is, and let me just speak for myself. The 2021 Minnesota Vikings was the least likable team of this franchise that I've ever seen in my life. And I can't think of a team that, I can't think of any other time where I just said, I don't like this team. I genuinely was disgusted with this team. And I think it, it takes you being at your lowest point. Les Brown, a motivational speaker, he says, you know, if you're down on your back, if you say, okay, You want to look up because that means you can get up. If you're at your lowest point, sometimes it triggers something to say, okay, I've had enough. We have to make some serious changes. I think the fan base has been feeling that this season, even going back to last game, Sunday, a meaningless game. But what was there to raise hell about? Justin Jefferson's chance at breaking Randy Moss's record. Okay, fine, let's watch it. And you mean to tell me, The one thing that, okay, we're going to cheer for, this is going to be great. It doesn't matter whether you win or lose. We're going to cheer this guy on. Three timeouts left, over a minute remaining in your final possession, and you choose to run the clock out. 
while Jefferson's 17 yards away from breaking the record, that was a nail in the coffin to where I'm like, you guys mm-hmm. are just pathetic. Yeah. I think this franchise has reached its low points where they have no other choice but to make some serious decisions here. And that was not a team. that This team, I, I think what made them so despicable was they were not a team. They didn't feel like a team. They felt like some talented people pulling in different directions. Agendas, agendas were being filled um, from the GM to coach on down. And so when everybody is solely fighting for themselves, that's not a team. The Starting with the Rams game, these guys, I thought they were despicable, but I wasn't quite sure. Starting with the Rams game, they confirmed it. When you provide the dead-ass performance that they did in a game that they went into as the seventh seed. So they had that seed yeah. locked up. I mean, it was like, okay, and – you might lose, but let's see it, right? And Randy, they looked like they didn't care. The Packers game, I get Kirk didn't play, but again, it was it was sort of like, ah, let, let's get done here. Uh, Mike, Mike lashing out at Kellen Mond, which, I mean, come on, completely unnecessary, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, these guys, the Wilfs would have had to not pay any attention, not to make changes but i just think now with with this job and i'll go back to why i think this is such a great job is alterate the alterations of the problems are easy it's the roster i can change that within a year within two i've changed it completely um but i have an infrastructure and an ownership group that is willing to spend be invested and and like the opportunities here are exciting so so 2021 was a bust, really disappointing, and and a team that played like a bad team, although they definitely did have some talent. The nice thing is the fixes are possible, and if you do this right, you could put yourself long-term to not just be, oh, we're we're the Vikings, we won 10 games, to actually make playoff runs if you get the right people, and they definitely did not have the right people. It also kind of feels like, and, and this might also just be a product of social media, and you just you, the, the echo chamber is a lot larger than it was maybe ten years ago. You know, when Mike Tice was coach fifteen years ago, but it feels like this is the most divided and divisive the Vikings fan base has felt too. That it's like everyone's trying to figure out. You got two things at play. Everyone's trying to figure out who's to blame primarily for the shortcomings, right? Why don't they make the playoffs? Why haven't they made a run here? And it's, you know, it's this guy's to blame. No, this guy's to blame. And then people fight about it. Um, But then there's also this other bin of, well, be careful what you wish for. You know, this could be a lot worse. And then people fight over like, you know, you don't want to just go firing people or trading people that, you know, that that are propping your team up and, and having you flirt with the playoffs. I just feel like if they nail the GM, and they nail the coach, and it's a coach that everyone can get behind. Let's say it's Byron Leftwich, and he comes up, and not that this matters, but like he knocks the press conference out of the park, and it's like, yeah. You know, they have a chance to bring fans together, and I think even though this is going to hurt for a lot of fans, if they trade Kirk and they find some sort of long-term solution in the draft or whatever in the next couple years, and then everyone can get behind a quarterback like they got behind Dante 15 years ago or Teddy in the first couple years, you know, there's moves to be made here in the next week and then over the next couple of years that I think can just get everyone kind of back feeling good about this team. And like Randy said, I agree. It's the least likable Vikings team I can remember. And that includes love boat in 2005. That team was actually hilarious and uh, kind of likable just because of how absurd that team was, but like make the right hires and make the right move at quarterback and get everyone feeling good about this team for the first time in a long time. Well, winning solves everything. Right. You start winning, everyone's going to be fat and happy. And I think the frustrating thing is, in some ways, I almost I almost wish this team were the Detroit Lions, where we know we just suck and we just don't have talent. Whereas we know this team is capable of so much more than what they've shown over the last, I would say, goodness, starting from the 2017 NFC championship game. This team is capable of so much more. That if you find the right guys, 
GM that can maneuver the roster. I really hope they keep Rob Brzezinski. But at head coach, a leader, a real leader, someone that can talk. Eric Kendricks talked about you can't have a fear-based leadership mentality. Of course, you're going to say that after Zimmer's gone. No one's going to say that while he's there. But even I saw that. (laughs) I saw that from the outside. And I'm not around Zimmer every day. I've never been around him at all. I saw that. So if you get the right guys with the talent we have and you start winning games, this division amongst the fan base, it's going to disappear. Because the only thing we have left at that point is to celebrate. Hey, we're winning. We're being capable. And one more thing I will say. I feel like I've been fair these last few years. I'm not even saying, oh, my God, they've never Kirk's the final piece to get to the Super Bowl. They never made it to the Super Bowl. They never won a Super Bowl. My standards weren't even that high. My standards were just be able to compete. In big games, look like you belong on the football field. That's that's the baseline for me. And this team, they haven't reached that. You get these right guys in, man, everything's going to be peachy. Yeah. Uh, comment on the screen here from Adnan. Ben Gessling from the Star Tribune said that we should see a list of general managers that the Wilfs are interested in. And I, and I believe uh, he tweeted that earlier today. It's supposed to come out sometime tomorrow. And I'm sure yeah. that that information will be credible, but Judd actually has that information now, and he Ooh. has reported it earlier today on Mackie and Judd and Purple Daily. Can you give us part of the short list that yes. you are being told exists? Well, I don't have the entire list necessarily, but I do have four names of people that I think they are going to want to speak to as candidates. The, the first is the guy from the Colts that I think is also on the Bears list, guy by the name of Ed Dodds, assistant GM. Um, I wouldn't be surprised if he did get the Bears job, but he's the first one. The second one, and this is where it gets far juicier. This is where it gets fun. Will McClay, who's the Cowboys mm, vice yes. president of player personnel. Now, he has a ton of power in Dallas, and he likes it there. So he is not he is not apt to, to leave. Um, but, again, the Wilfs will write a big check here, I think, potentially. And Will McClay w- would be the guy who would probably be tied to, and this is where it's going to get intriguing, Kellen Moore, okay? So, so like, we're all panicked about coaches. Are they going to get a coach? But the GM and coach might be a package deal. So Will McClay, if he wants to talk to the Vikings, is a name to keep in mind. The next name, Eagles Director of Player Personnel, Brandon Brown. Highly educated, very smart dude. My understanding did not have a falling out with Doug Peterson. Okay. Mm-hmm. That they would be, that they could be a potential package which is why Peterson might have, have said, I'm cool there. You know, I'll wait. I've talked to the Jags, really enjoy talking to Shad Khan, but I'll give it some time here. And the last name, I have to make sure I pronounce this right, Quasi Adolfo Mensa. And this guy is intriguing. He's about 32. He is the, he is the uh, vice president of football ops with the Browns. He came, I believe it was last May from – the 49ers, where he was basically an analytics statistical genius guru. He is he is very much from that side of, of things. In fact, he previously didn't work in football. Um, I think he had jobs in the financial world, perhaps. Uh, and and he was he's a Princeton grad who was a basketball player. But sounds like the guy is really bright. Um, more along the lines of what baseball teams are doing. I don't know who he would be tied to coaching-wise, but he's a guy that the Bears want to talk to, and he interviewed for the Panthers job last year. So at least two of the names I gave you were guys that could definitely be tied to coaching candidates, though. Interesting. So uh, and, and for the newer portion of the Purple Daily audience or the younger portion, that is former lead Vikings beat writer for the Star Tribune and 1500 ESPN, Judd Zolgad. Some of my best years. Part of the the dream team at (laughs) accessvikings.com, accessvikings.com. Chip Scoggins. So so just to recap here, you got got four, and and this might not be a complete list. They certainly might. Yeah, there there might be more. Easily could be more. And it's possible that one or two of these guys opts out or takes a job somewhere else but the two most interesting names here just based on their quarterback or their uh their head coach you know connections or coordinator connections will mcclay with the cowboys and kellen moore 
who is, what, 32, 33 years old, super hot coaching candidate. Uh, and then the Brandon Brown, Eagles, Doug Peterson connection. Um, and then yeah, it doesn't mean that they, they they have to hire their guy from their team to be the coach, but interesting connections there on paper, Randy. I, the only thing I would say about Brandon Brown from the Eagles is that I'm sure Doug Peterson saying everything's just fine, everything's great. One of the things that I feel like was the falling out there in Philly, or at least in recent history, was they passed on DK Metcalf in the draft. That was, I believe, the 2019 draft. 2020, they passed on Justin Jefferson for Jalen Rieger. I've got in-laws that are Eagles fans, and all they do is complain about the Eagles draft. They can never get it right, especially with wide receivers. Now, they may, they seem to have it together with Devontae Smith, I believe his name is, from mm-hmm. Alabama, right? Mm-hmm. Had a pretty solid year. They're going to the postseason. I, I guess my, my concern with that is the extension factor. It's kind of how I feel about George Payton, which I'm glad he's in Denver now. The extension factor as far as what you've learned if you're Brandon Brown from a Jeffrey Lurie with the Philadelphia Eagles. So Doug P may be cool with it. If he is, okay, fine. But that would be my only hesitation is to bring that, okay, because if that's the case, I would rather have Rick Spielman straight up over a guy like Brandon Brown who learned from Jeffrey Lurie. Will McClay, one one more thing I will say. Will McClay is interesting. Dallas, they love him. They raved about how he handled their virtual draft in the 2020 offseason. He's well-respected. I actually talked about him, I want to say, a year or so ago on my YouTube channel. I would love if Will McClay was a candidate for the Vikings. The only thing is the connection factor. Do we have to have Kellen Moore? I know he's a hot name everyone loves. I I feel like I need to see more from... I guess no pun intended from a Kellen Moore because he, he just seems like a guy who knows how to call the right plays at the right time. But with the head coach, you need some character there. You need some, I don't know, charisma, Mm -hmm. someone that can lead men and maybe Kellen Moore can do that. I just feel like I need to see more from him. I feel the same way about Byron Leftwich, but Will McClay, I'm cool with Brandon Brown. I don't know. I mean, I feel like I might be the biggest Kellen Moore stan in the state. That's going back for a few months now. But to Randy's point, it's clear he's a smart guy. He knows offense. He's known that since he was in high school, college, and even being a a passable NFL quarterback and, and getting an OC job early. But is he a leader? Can he lead guys? I think that is something that is probably still in a wait and see mode and might even still hinder him from getting a head coaching job immediately. Yeah, people get way too hung up on offensive mind, offensive mind. And yes, like ideally you'd have an offensive mind who also is a great leader, so you can have both those things. But a great leader and a great communicator and connector, that is priority one, two, and three for a head coach. If it happens to be, like if you line up five candidates, and four of them are offensive-minded guys, and the fifth one is defensive-minded, but the gap between the leadership of the defensive-minded guy, let's say, you know, I know there's a story in The Athletic with some somewhat damning things about Brian Flores that he's going to have to answer for, the way that he treated people and whatnot, and, Sounds and like maybe, maybe some of that's propaganda from you know the Miami ownership group, but like if you determine that Brian Flores is just flat-out the best leader of your five candidates, I don't care that he's a defensive-minded guy. Give me the leader for Mike Tomlin's a defensive minded guy. Bill Belichick's a defensive minded guy. You know, Pete Carroll before I mean Pete Carroll's pretty old and outdated now, but he's a defensive minded guy. But if you're if you're a great leader, that's the most important factor for me. If McClay is as good as we think he might be, though, I'll say this. You do have to trust him. So so like you, you've got to trust him to to be able to identify character. And and to tell what what would work with the team and what wouldn't. Let me throw this out. What would you guys think about this? If Will McClay becomes your GM, and and let's just say recklessly for the sake of this discussion, Kellen Moore becomes your coach, and by extension of that, chief play caller, defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. 
speculation. What? Now, S- is- sign me up for any scenario that involves Vic Fangio as the defensive coordinator. <laughs> as long as he's yes. not, as long as he's not eyeing the head coaching seat and accepts that role, he's got experience. He definitely defensively still has a fastball. Um, I don't think that's in question, and could lend assistance as well. Now, this is assuming the egos all would work, but again, if McClay's as good as we think he might be, you you would have to trust him to make that um, judgment call. But that's the type of thing that would intrigue me because that would definitely give the head coach some help, would give him some time to try to learn and also have a previous coach there to bounce things off of and would and would give him the ability to run the defensive side of the ball in Fangio while Moore runs the offense and could be, if you think about it, could be a little bit of a page from the initial McVay with the Rams time, right? Because Wade Phillips was McVay's guy initially. And now I don't think that Wade was a good head coach, but I do think that there were a lot of years where he was a damn good DC. So at least for a short period of time, taking a page from that and allowing more to learn, sort of take control, but also have a guy there who could very much have input and be important on the defensive side of the ball and also just on being a coach. See, I feel like to kind of go against what you said, Phil, I feel like you need an offensive-minded head coach for this team. I understand the leadership thing. It doesn't matter whether they're offense or defense. The thing is with Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick, they're more than great leaders. They build great relationships. People want to work Mm -hmm. for these guys. So if you're going to be a defensive head coach, you're going to need to be great at building relationships. You're going to need to be a great leader to where people want to come work for you to where I feel like I, in the eight years, and I'm not trying to bash on a guy any further, I'm just pointing out an observation. I can't remember one individual that said, as far as a positional coach that worked under Mike Zimmer, maybe Andre Patterson, I said, yeah, I'm going to go to bat for this guy. That was outwardly public about it. Whereas Mike Tomlin and Bill Belichick, people do it all the time. So because of that, the favor goes to offense, just baseline. Because if you're going to have a coordinator that rotates every year and a half plus, you would rather it be the defensive coordinator and keep this offense intact, especially with the players that we have. Fully agree. Just to be clear, offensive-minded would be the ideal scenario. But I'm not putting, if, 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 again, if it's, Boy, uh, this guy is an outstanding leader of men, and we can tell that he's a sure. defensive-minded guy. I mean, if you look at the longest tenured NFL head coaches right now, Bill Belichick, defensive-minded guy. Sean Payton, offense. Mike Tomlin, defensive-minded guy. John Harbaugh, special teams coordinator. Uh, actually, never. Actually, I don't think he ever was an offensive or defensive coordinator. He was a special teams he's guy special and then teams, got that head yeah. job. Uh, Pete Carroll, defensive. Andy Reid, offensive. Sean McDermott, defensive. So, you know, I think more recently you've seen a lot more Matt Lafleur's. You've seen some of these offense like Sean McVay's come in, and those guys seem to be the perfect combination of offensive wizardry and can command and build relationships with a group of fifty-three. So no, we are on the same page, sure. but I just don't want. I keep hearing offensive, offensive, offensive. Like let's not forget that this isn't just Madden or fantasy football here. You're not just plugging in a scheme and calling plays like, no, you're leading a locker room full of grown ass adults. And that's something that Mike Zimmer failed at miserably the last few years. But you, and that to your point, why not have both an offensive minded head coach and a great leader? You have that in at least two candidates, in my humble opinion, with Dayball and Bienemy. I would even go as far as saying Doug Peterson with the right fit. The GM head coach relationship, it really has to be top notch with a guy like Doug Peterson because not only did he win the Super Bowl with his backup quarterback, people say, oh, that may have been just a fluke year. People forget that following year, they went to the playoffs again with their backup quarterback again, mm-hmm. beat the Bears on the road at Soldier Field in the wild card round and damn near beat the Saints in the divisional round at the Superdome. 
he can be a leader as well as long as the pieces are in place because I always said Doug Peterson with Nick Foles is a way scarier tandem than Doug Peterson and Carson Wentz. Isn't it weird? I I find it so bizarre that people value the train wreck ending of Doug Peterson's time in Philadelphia more than they value him winning the Super Bowl with Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz, the shine is off on Carson Wentz. Dude. That dude that dude won a bunch of games with Carson Wentz, and then he gets injured and takes Nick Foles to a Super Bowl MVP. And I get that Frank Reich was also a huge part of that, but you can find smart people on your – it's not just you. You can hire smart people to be on your coaching staff. I just say, like – I just I don't really understand why. Well, but look at how it ended. Okay, I mean last, he won a last Super Bowl. Impression, man, in sports, <laughs> the last impression is cares everything. How it a lot of times, and there is a correction I need to make because I mentioned Jeffrey Lurie. He's the Eagles owner. I should have mentioned Howie Roseman. He's the Eagles GM. Sure. But when the pieces are in place, Doug Peterson is a damn good head coach. When they can't figure out wide receivers, they take a guy like Jalen Rieger. I mean, what are you doing here? Doug Peterson, and I would venture to say, if you feel like you can't do anything with Kirk Cousins, you can't trade him, and if he's going to be with this team, at least for next year and possibly beyond, Doug Peterson may actually be the best fit for this team. That is, unless Dayball and Biennemi are saying, hey, I'll work with them too. And you need to, like, to, to start with the GM hire, you need a person that doesn't have to be, like, charismatic and great, but that can identify talent and most of all, importantly quarterbacks and, and have some people skills. Part of Rick's problem was I don't think Rick really had the ability to read people period. And, and so like, I don't need Rick to, to be this outgoing charismatic dude, but the ability to read your coach, the ability to read your players who you're drafting, right? Quarterback. And, and, if there are two people who need to have a certain it factor, it's your quarterback and coach. And I covered Tomlin for one year. He he was here with uh, Childress in his first year in 2006. And it did not take a genius by any means to watch Mike work and say, oh, my God, for your age, he, command, he commanded a room. I, I remember his his first year on Thursdays his coordinator pressers were better than Brad's like he would bring notes he he wouldn't like read the notes he just had notes there but he would get up to the podium and command it and it's it was I can't describe it because Mm -hmm. you know you know well yeah of course he did no you don't understand like Mike Tomlin had an it factor that that is what everyone who is trying to find a coach like that should be one of the things because that factor is what will lead grown men who are really good at what they do to say, I will follow this guy. And to me, that's the beginning of a blueprint for a potential championship because if guys are just like, yeah, I mean, my coach is fine. I mean, he knows a lot of stuff, I guess. Yeah. That is not the blueprint. And okay. and so, so this is all about, I think, it's all about the ability to read people and to have an idea of exactly what you want personality-wise and evaluation-wise. So I agree. Like there's a – I love that analytics are picking up in football and I and I love all the information and data that's out there. But ultimately, like it, of all the major team sports, it's probably the most human and emotionally driven and collaborative. I mean you literally have 22 dudes on a field on a chessboard. There's so much that goes into the human element side that you can't really quantify, right? And, th- and those are the things I tend to rip Kirk Cousins for. But I think because of that, quarterback and head coach have to be walk into a room and everyone turns their head and gravitates toward you type personalities. Doesn't mean they always have to love you. You might, you know, you might have to certainly get into players as a head coach and and fray some relationships. You know, Mike Tomlin probably isn't best friends with all of his players, but there's there's a respect and a and a charisma and a command-the-room factor that does matter. So with that, are there any, and I get that we're not like in the room with some of these guys, like we've never been in a room with Kellen Moore. Uh, Judd and I have been in rooms with Eric Bieniemy because he was a running backs coach for the, the Brad Childress regime, so we can speak on that a little bit. But is there anyone just from observing from afar of all these candidates that really strikes you guys as, 
okay, yeah, he is, let's forget about some of the flaws and some of the, like Brian Flores strikes me as that. Again, there's flaws. He clearly ruffled some feathers. Byron Leftwich strikes me as that. I mean, his team at Marshall carried him down the field when he what, broke his leg or whatever it was. Is there anyone else that, that stands out like that to you guys, just off the top of your heads? I would say... Nathaniel Hackett. Nathaniel I will say. Hackett. I, w- I was just about to say Nathaniel Hackett. I feel like that's the one guy I never really mentioned. But I feel like that's a guy that can come in and lead this team. He seems to have it together. He seems to get it. And it, I would say what they went through Green Bay with that whole Aaron Rodgers situation, as far as maybe he'll come back, maybe he won't. Maybe he learned from that as well. And we've had, I wouldn't say we've had our fair share here in Minnesota, but the Stephon Diggs situation, once in a while we may have a player that pops off, a Percy Harvin potentially Justin Jefferson, if we're not going to feed this guy the ball or have an offense that's going to maximize his talents. I would say Nathaniel Hackett is that outsider I'm looking at. Another name, I see this name pop up here in the YouTube comment section, and I think we just write him off because he's a defensive guy who got fired. But Dan Quinn. I think Seahawks defensive players and Cowboys defensive players would say, oh, my God, I'd run through a brick wall for that guy. And he did have a 25-point lead in a Super Bowl <laughs> against Tom Brady and the Patriots. That one scares me. Yeah. He seems t- t- happy to take that in Dallas. I, I, I don't know. That, that's he might get I'm the Broncos job. He is interviewing, yeah. The Broncos want to talk to him. Well, the Broncos would be genius by hiring a Nathaniel Hackett if they want Aaron Rodgers, right? That kind of seems like Ooh, what, the, what the Broncos true. might be setting what if the up. Broncos let's, let's get Rodgers' guy in here. What if the Broncos went Dan Quinn and then um, George Payton brings in his good friend, Mike Rick Zimmer. Spielman, oh. Oh, and no, and yeah. Spielman and Payton and Spielman and, uh, and say, oh, you know what? We should prove them wrong with the Vikings. Kirk Cousins does Vikings work. of the AFC, <laughs> and we're going to get Kirk Cousins, and he, and, and the Broncos. So you got you got your Mike Zimmer and your first round pick, and sure. so you've got a defensive coach who's like, "This is great. I got my quarterback, Kirky McKirkison. and he's just it's like, "Okay, bye." But like like Dan Quinn, yeah, like Dan Quinn, Doug Peterson. People dismiss these names because they got fired or because things ended poorly in Atlanta, you know. But you've got two guys. One that won a Super Bowl in Doug Peterson. Another one that had a 25-point lead in the third quarter of a Super Bowl. And then you know, behind door number two, three, four, you got a bunch of coordinators like Kellen Moore who've literally never led a locker room before on that level. Does Kellen Moore and, have, have it? Like, like do, do we know? At, I, like, I, I think but, McVay does. When, oh, when I watch yeah. him, I'm well, really yeah. impressed. Oh, yeah. But, but I mean, have, I like – he's yeah. really smart enthusiastic he seems to command things now now that's on you know from afar i have not been around him ever but i like how he sort of he commands things that's what i'm looking for can you command that room and not come in like zim does and and you know oh we want another close or we lost a close guy you guys all stink you know i mean that doesn't work based on the cowboys games that i've seen kellen moore the way he is on the sidelines he just seems like a really good offensive coordinator I he doesn't okay. he doesn't really seem to have and I could be wrong about that. I just need to see more. Uh, I just want a head coach that doesn't botch the line like this. So I heard it all week long, right? Oh and nine on Monday night. Yeah. Yeah. You like how this tastes? Yeah. 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 That was a shot, man. He, he was he was get an explosive reaction in the locker room, and he botches the line. Gross. That's I. That's um. I could have done without that. What I will say though, <laughs> as far as to uh, shift gears a little bit, going back to the head coach thing, I do believe that Kirk Cousins. You like how this tastes? That's amazing. I do believe that Kirk Cousins. Not only does he need someone that, if Kirk Cousins is going to stay with this team, not only is he going to need a head coach that's going to empower him. But at the same time, to your guys' credit, Judd, Mackey, Declan, someone that's going to give him some tough love. Because in that Rams game where he was intentionally on key downs, third downs, throwing short of the sticks, and I watch games like 
Cowboys, Eagles. Now, granted, the Eagles, they were all second string defense that they were playing. Okay, fine. But still, Dak Prescott or Justin Herbert against the Raiders this past, goodness, this either Monday night, Sunday night, whatever that was, a great game, one of the greatest games I've ever seen. Yes. They're taking shots. They know what's at stake. They're throwing in the end zone. So if Kirk is going to, oh, shucks, and those moments where he's like, all right, I'm going to throw a quick out pass to Alexander Madison on no, third and nine. Okay, empower Kirk Cousins, but at the same time, say, bro, this is your team. Take control of your team. Do you want it or not? And that's going to shock him to either be better or to prove himself to be everything that guys like you say he is, just what? a fake leader. Yeah, well, one of the most, you talk about, like, third down, fourth down, whatever, like, one of the most damning Kirk Cousins stats this year. Like, people throw, well, 4,000 yards and 33 touchdowns and blah, blah, blah. So uh, he ranked 30th in the NFL among all quarterbacks in third down success rate, which is defined quite simply as, did you, on your passes, did you convert a first down or not? 30th in the NFL. And some people are going to say, well, but the offensive line or... Oh, but no, the play calling I've, and the routes long. or the drops or whatever, it's like, and so maybe there's a certain percentage blame that goes elsewhere, but you got to be better on third down. Zimmer was a problem, but let's be very clear here. I think a lot, or I think a portion of the current locker room needs to be cleared out. Like, I, I'm not going to blame Mike. I'm not go- going to, to say, you bring in a different guy who's going to empower people, and these guys are fine. Um, I have a problem with, a few guys and players who make a lot who did not pull their weight. And and so, so Mike being gone, Rick being gone, that's both good. Nice start, but we're not done here. Like there's more guys who need to be gone um, because, because the El Foldo against the Rams is not all on Mike. Um, I don't like what Kirk brings. And, and I don't think that you can change Kirk. Like I don't, I'm sorry. I don't think, that if a coach comes in and says, Kirk, we're going to – I think Kirk is, gonna, is go, going to say, this is great, that this is fantastic. And the first time Kirk gets tough love, he's going to melt down and start crying. Um, I don't think he is quarterback mental material. I think that there's more guys who did things that I didn't like. And so that was my point previously. You need to go through this roster with a fine-tooth comb, and you need to get rid of guys too Be, because there was – those last two or three games until the second half on Sunday, which I don't get, but who cares? Um, it was very enlightening. It was very enlightening because that's where I started to see people quit. And the coach paid the price and should, but he's not the only one. There are more guys who need to, to go. Because if you're going to put together a championship roster, potentially, it can't just be, but I'm really good. It's got to be. Do you want this? And when Justin Jefferson, again, in the last quarter of the season, is the only guy who really stepped up and said, this is BS. What are we doing out there? That's a huge problem, man. Second-year player. He he literally had to take control of a locker room with veterans and be like, why are you dead asses? That's a problem, and that needs to be cleaned up. And he's still young and spry. After a while, he's going to mature. He's going to get used to the same thing. If you were to keep the same regime so in true. place, and then all of a sudden you get complacent, well, this is just what it is. Or you turn into a Stefan Diggs where, you know what, the dude is super passionate and he's going to force his way out via trade or however the, however the hell he has to get out. But you, I'm excited for whatever this new regime is going to come in because that whole – Okay, we're locked on to these guys. We had if Rick Spielman and Mike Zimmer was still here, I mean Anthony Barr would be here forever. I, I don't think he would ever retire. <laughs> Just every single year, a lifetime contract. Old, he would never go live. It's be, all yours, TCO yeah, Performance Center. Any other executive or coach that would say, "Well, you know, let's look yeah. at him. Is he worth this, or can we find someone else?" Whereas with Zimmer and Spielman, it's it's Anthony Barr. What are you talking yeah. about? That. We're not going to have to deal with that anymore. Yeah. Amen. Uh, uh, Adnan on the screen here asks, mock drafts? Well, Adnan, ask and you shall receive. I want a mock! Mock! Right. Because I have for you guys here, presented by our friends at Surly Judd. Oh, yes, yes. Our friends and, and you know, all Surly Brewing 
products, gentlemen, are fantastic. But Surly Furious IPA, that's what the bobbleheads in here. That's what he wants. As a final, as a final drink, he says, get me a furious IPA. It's fantastic. And uh, you know, the Vikings might might be done, but Football's not, and that means as the weekend comes, Surly Fury should be by your side as you watch those playoff games. And you start to scout what the Vikings need to do to become a playoff team. That's right. I want to mock! Mock! I have for you, courtesy of DraftBlaster.com, <laughs> oh, oh, boy. the thinking man's guide to the draft. <laughs> A 2022 mock draft updated just a few days ago. And I think, I don't know, is this up? Is, the Jaguars have the number one pick, right? Because the yes. Lions kept winning games. Correct. So, all right. So, number one of the Jacksonville Jaguars. This is actually before the week 18 games. And so, if this is out of order, then I apologize. The Vikings <laughs> have the 12th pick, though, right? And that's where yes. they're at here. So, we're right there. All right. Uh, Evan Neal, offensive tackle, Alabama, the Jags. Aiden Hutchinson, the edge rusher from Michigan to the Lions. Uh, Kenny Pickett, quarterback Pitt, to the Texans at three. Uh, Kayvon Thibodeau, edge rusher Oregon, to the Jets at four. I'm going to skip here because no one cares. Uh, Matt Coral, quarterback Ole Miss, to the Giants via Chicago at eight. Carson Strong, I really like Carson Strong. Spent like an hour watching Carson Strong YouTube videos over the weekend because I have no life. Uh, He goes to the Washington football team. And then, uh, wow, Desmond Ritter, quarterback Cincinnati. So even in a, in a, in a quarterback-starved and poor draft, it just shows you how desperate teams might be, according to DraftBlaster.com. Number 12, Minnesota Vikings. Select Andrew Booth Jr., cornerback out of Clemson. I want a mock! Mock! The write-up says the Vikings do have some young talent in the secondary, but they have to keep adding talent here. The defense is built upon the secondary, uh, and they draft cornerbacks all the time because that's the Vikings' way. So, your thoughts, gentlemen, on the first—that's the first mock of mock season here, right there. You guys just what heard it. Talent is in the secondary. I mean, unless Patrick Peterson is coming back. Well, I think Cam Bynum at safety okay. is pretty talented, and I, I'm still on the Cam Dantzler bandwagon here i think cam i think cam dantzler had a he got put in the doghouse and training camp and it's kind of fighting up corner depth is very questionable after that i agree i mean honestly malik willis man that's a guy that i would love to go at if you want a quarterback so bad and you feel like even in this draft where the quarterbacks aren't great you get an offensive minded head coach that can work with a quarterback that can actually develop him Malik Willis, Liberty University. He's a blast. He's not even in the first round on this mock, according to draft. Don't worry. Combine will come. Pro days will come. Oh, he'll be a pro day. He'll be second overall by (laughs) Wyatt Davis at one point was considered to be a first round pick. Okay. How much of an indictment would it be if a new regime came in and Wyatt Davis was just a badass right guard on the next on next year's team? Just a pass blocking. That would look good for Rick and terrible for Mike. Yeah. Yeah. I've moved on. I don't know who it is you're talking about. I know Wyatt Davis. I know who you're talking Wyatt about. Wyatt Davis. But the previous individuals. No, I'm moving on. <laughs> Go to Denver. Take Kirk Cousins. Maybe. Okay, I was going to say, let's get Kirk Cousins. For a first round pick, pick, I'll take it. But if they keep oh, him, that's fine, too. You guys can go check out Realistic Randy's YouTube channel. And if you're hanging out with us here, please click subscribe and the like button so we can spread the word about this community of smart and I would say handsome and uh, hilarious Vikings fans that uh, consume Purple Daily on a daily basis. Don't let the don't let the haters get you down out there. Okay, just because you like to live a life of reckless speculation and you want your football team to win a Super Bowl doesn't mean you have to be dragged down by some of the Buzz Killington Vikings fans out there oh, that tell you that you're doing there. it wrong. Mm-hmm. How long are you going to keep the Mike Zimmer bobblehead on the screen, Judd? Till they find a new coach? Uh, yeah, I mean, for sure. I paid for it, so why not? <laughs> Bobbleheads never die with Judd. They, they, their souls are just I there still don't have my like the Shang Tsung of, 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 uh, of bobbleheads. Yeah, look at he, Declan's right. Declan's got a good point. Look at this. We got a Michael Bennett. I mean, he's been gone for Whoa, how long? Now? You need to keep that up. Michael Bennett was ahead of his time, but in this league, know, oh man, 
You know, the good thing about that Zimmer bobblehead, though, is like it's pretty much just like ambiguous white coach that you could probably just like hey. if it's Kellen Moore, you could probably just put a Cowboys. You could draw a Cowboys logo on. He's there. got the challenge flag in the back pocket, <laughs> too. Or he's got a severe case of external hemorrhoids. Oh, God. Nice, <laughs> oh, I'm glad it's after midnight. Oof. That was so. Un- oh, my God. Hey, hemorrhoids <laughs> are no joke, man. <laughs> Dude, tell us more. Thanks, Dex. George Brett. Yeah, they're no joke. Declan here for they're Preparation no. H. Bitch. The new sponsor. Yeah. When I'm feeling sore. You're too young. No, you for, forget about it. <laughs> I, I was, what is happening now. right now? No, yeah, exactly. I, <laughs> I'm backing I'm backing away from the mic. All right. That's a wrap on Purple After Dark. Tomorrow, write that down in an accountability session. We're still tabulating predictions from 2021 and the season. A bunch have come through. So we'll see if there's any movement in the battle for touchdown. And we also have, uh, we have, um, I guess, a, a breach of write that down semantics that we have to get to tomorrow. We already touched on it last week on Mackie and oh. Judd, but yeah, one of us made Somebody a, got a rookie out. mistake. Somebody got called out. Yep. Somebody so got we'll caught. So thanks for hanging out with us. That's Realistic Randy there. Mackie, Judd, executive producer Declan. See you guys.